On this episode of the podcast, we welcome Amanda Carey to the show. Amanda is a case manager with the Buncombe County Reentry Council. So we talked to her about what her job entails and kind of what she does on the daily, uh, working for Buncombe County and working with with individuals who are coming out of prison and how she connects them with like local resources in the community. She's also a person in long-term recovery. So we kind of got into a little bit about her story and also what she does to support herself on the daily and kind of what the balance is like with the job and her personal story of recovery. We're broadcasting again from the Comfort Inn in Silva, North Carolina. Huge recovery allies. I would highly suggest giving them some love if you're in the area or if you have anybody visiting the area. They are recovery allies. They support our work and support what we're doing. Information on the hotel can be found by visiting choicehotels.com or stop by and pay them a visit at 1235 East Main Street in Silver, North Carolina. So with that being said, give some love to Amanda Carey. Living a miracle, standing divisible, connected to God and my physical essence of my spiritual presence is visible. Totally leaving you unaware of my mental subliminal. Used to be a criminal, living so minimal. But things have changed in my life is going through different intervals. Finding that balance is significantly difficult. Timing is everything, so my timing is critical. Rhyming is literal, the unforgettable. It's why I stand before you impeccably so presentable. I give respect to you, know that I am respectable. I've always wanted acceptance, is that acceptable? I give the rival expected to be exceptional And I'm a grown man, handle business like a professional I am incredible, Leo conventional And you stopping me from chasing my dreams is unprofessional The opinions expressed in this podcast are the views of the NCR team and the individuals interviewed We do not consider ourselves to be mental health professionals Our mission is to explore the various pathways to recovery and to give a voice to those affected by or involved in the care of substance use disorders. Some content may be mature for younger audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Ready, set, go. Awesome. Amanda Carey. How are you doing? Fabulous. How are you? Um, Okay, considering the fact that (laughs) there's a bunch of static in my ears that I'm trying to... Clear up. No, things are good. Um, uh, I had a rough weekend. Mm-hmm. Not rough, long. I'm a little uh, tired from the busyness of the weekend. Yeah. And we're getting some killer feedback here. <laughs> Bear with me. It wouldn't be right Dude, if everything just went perfectly. You know been, what I mean? We've been sitting here talking for 30 <laughs> minutes, right? No static. No uh, I know what it is. What is it? It's your cell phone. Is it? I believe so. How about that? Oh Ladies gosh. and gentlemen. You're amazing. When you come on NC Raw, leave your cell phones to the side. It's still kind of there. Yeah, it's still kind of there. Put it up on that corner right there. Yeah. Not too close to the edge. I think it's going to fall off, girl. <laughs> I'm trying to get rid of the static. <laughs> so you saved the day. Thank you for that. 
<laughs> you gotta love it. Um, yeah, so we're a one man show tonight. Yeah. Um, my dog Caleb had some things that he had to take care of today, and so he was unable to join us. But he did send some love. He checked in with me. Yeah, we're gonna miss him. We sure are. <laughs> um, and I also wanted to make an announcement because we haven't really talked about this on the podcast so far. Um, but I wanted to give some love out to Courtney, our amazingly talented engineer and producer. She has taken on some opportunities pursuing her career awesome. as a musical mm-hmm. producer. Oh, that's awesome. In Nashville, Tennessee. Wow. And so uh, we wouldn't be here. This this podcast, NC Raw, would not be where we are today had it not been for her, um, her talent. The opportunity that she gave us, the things that she taught me uh, while she was with us, and for, like, being, like, so mature in her age and, like, I was the immature one <laughs> and like her <laughs> no like, way. Yeah. No way. Her like always like reeling me in. Yeah. When I had these like crazy ideas about doing all these like wild things, um, she would be, she would just, she was really good at like, um, at being direct and like checking me. Yeah. Putting me in my place and being like, Steve, gotta like, have that's, someone. I gotta have someone. <laughs> so, um, as it stands right now, um, I'm pretty much like a one man show. As you've seen today, not mm-hmm. meaning like the podcast, but as in the setup of all of this uh, equipment that we have going on and I and that like editing and all the posting and all that stuff. And I have to say, like, it is um, it's a pain, man. It's frustrating. <laughs> you know, it, I love learning the stuff because that's kind of like what I wanted to do. Uh, but there's a lot to it. So, yeah, there's a lot of buttons on that thing over there. It's quite scary. <laughs> you guys can't see it viewing, but there's a mm-hmm. lot of buttons on this machine that's right over here, this mixer. It's uh, scary. The thing that makes us sound sound good. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, just the whole setup in general and, like, getting a good stream and a good feed out to you guys um, is, like, somewhat challenging. So, um, with that being said, <laughs> NC Raw is looking for potential interns or volunteers or somebody that would just want to like help out. Yeah. Like as far as like running the computers and running the live stream and making sure that everything kind of like flows. Like um, we are at the Comfort Inn. In, in Sil- Silva. Silva, North Carolina. <laughs> big time recovery allies. Yeah. Um, I'll get to it in a second, but we're talking about our Christmas party. And I approached them earlier about um, potentially hosting our Christmas party. and. Um, Sales manager, Anna Thomas, she was just like, whatever you guys want, just keep doing your thing. It's on a Monday night. Like, whatever you guys need, we fully support you. So they're, they're big time, um, big time recovery allies. And um, we're, we're at the point right now where it's just like me and a guest or me and Caleb and a guest that like, I literally have to ask the girl that works at the front desk to come in here and take <laughs> pictures of us for the Instagram. <laughs> you know what I mean? And take pictures of us for the like newsletter and the story that we send out. So um, with that being said, if anybody would like to do some service work and be a part of like what we have going on and learn um, some of like the IT behind the scenes stuff, like we totally would welcome anybody and everybody that would like to um, take part in that. 
and also give Courtney some love, man. Like I said, like she's yeah, just, that's amazing. Yeah, and she volunteered like so much of her own personal time. Like literally, like had we not had her, it would have been like me and Caleb, like <laughs> probably in my garage. <laughs> With like a couple little lapel microphones and like recording it on my phone or something like that, and we <laughs> could have been fun. It, it would have been fun, but we would have had like twenty episodes recorded, and I <laughs> we wouldn't have we wouldn't have known how to get them onto like the website. <laughs> We'd have had a bunch of Facebook live videos. Well, thank goodness for Courtney. Thank goodness for Courtney. So y'all give Courtney some love. She's um absolutely amazing. She's super talented. I know she's gonna rock it out there in uh out there in Knoxville, she's got some pretty, pretty solid opportunities going on. So like, I totally, I got mad love for Courtney. Like she totally, uh, she got us to where we are and I love her for that. And I told her she's always got a home if she ever does come back to the mountains of North Carolina. Um, the next thing is like, um, because I've taken over the editing and that sort of thing, I'm getting pretty efficient at getting the show posted. So anybody that's tuning in watching the live stream, if you guys want to get the audio podcast emailed to you, um, I am doing all of the editing as soon as we finish recording the podcast. As soon as we get done, I edit it and I post it out and I send it out to all of our subscribers. Nice. So if you're a subscriber, you could potentially receive it tonight or wake up to it in your inbox. So you could listen to it on the way to work tomorrow. Heck yeah. If you're not a subscriber, you're going to have to wait until tomorrow evening to gain access for it. So you want to be a subscriber. You want to be a subscriber. It's completely yeah. free. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? It doesn't cost a thing. All you got to do is uh, drop your email address in the comments down there, or I'm going to post a link to subscribe in the comments here in a second um, so that so that you guys will be able to see it. I think that we might have dropped our signal look at your phone <laughs> i'm looking at that yeah, screen I look over ridiculous. there yeah so <laughs> like just frozen it's okay um you know we're a podcast we're not a, we're not a live streamer so what <laughs> so what i was telling talking with jeremy last week when this happened is you know again we're in a hotel yeah we're on guest wi-fi and what i found is that <laughs> um people kind of like tend to check in between the hours of five to seven yeah and so the hotel starts to fill up the more people that get on, the more people. And then it's like a lot of like construction workers and people like that who might be like streaming. Yeah. Something. Stuff, something. Something we probably don't want to know what it something is. Something that will not be broadcast on this <laughs> podcast tonight. So, Amanda, <laughs> how did you get to this table? Where'd you come from? Oh, goodness. Yeah. How do I answer that? How did that? you connect with us? You know, honestly, I was thinking about it on the way over here. I don't know how I connected with you. I know that I was in um, peer support training with Caleb and Caitlin, and that's how I know them. But I think we just randomly became Facebook friends because of things that we were mutually involved in. Um, and so I've been following the podcast ever since I heard about it. And, uh, and now I'm here. We done. We froze, baby. We froze. I look terrible in it's that okay. frozen position. It's all right. Say, like I said, we're a podcast. We're also looking for a home with with killer. We need a better home with yeah. better Wi-Fi. We have this beautiful, beautiful place, and Comfort Inn is, like I said, just yeah. big time allies. But um, <clears throat> to do what we have envisioned uh, is somewhat of a struggle. 
<laughs> and so like we do need to find a place that that does support what our vision is and supports yeah. our work because our audience wants to see the show yeah uh, we get so many, so many more views on like Facebook and stuff than we do, and uh, than we do downloads of the <laughs> podcast. So, um, I would suggest like, I would suggest downloading the podcast and listen to it. Um, so what I was going for is if you're a subscriber, you can have the podcast emailed to your inbox. You can wake up to the audible recording of this podcast in the morning. Um, by subscribing, which I'm going to post a link in the comments to subscribe, or by just dropping your, if you're comfortable with posting your email address in the comments, go ahead and do that. And I will, uh, I will subscribe. It's completely free. doesn't cost a dime and you'll get it, um, directly in your inbox. So, um, before we get into conversation with Amanda, and talk a little bit about who she is, what she does, how she got here. We would like to recognize some of our audience members who have celebrated yes. recovery anniversaries. Okay? Awesome. Yeah, some people doing some some good things. Um, the first person that we would like to recognize is Jennifer Welch. Jennifer Welch of Cherokee, North Carolina. She will be celebrating three years. Yay. That's amazing. No, 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 no. no. My math is way wrong. She'll be celebrating four years. Oh, my gosh. How can you leave a whole year off? (laughs) 2014. I get, you know. That's amazing. um, She will be celebrating four years of long-term recovery on Halloween. Oh, wow. So 10 Thirty-one fourteen. Awesome. Um, so, tons of love to Jennifer. I hope you're tuning in. If not, I will send you uh, this audio clip. Um, <laughs> and thanks for thank you for supporting us. Continue to drop your email address or drop your recovery dates on our running posts that we have <laughs> in our um, in our thread that's kind of been running since like the beginning of the year and we'll recognize you on the show the second recovery anniversary this is somebody that's very close to me this is somebody that i'm super proud of um this dude was like my role model growing up and it's just so amazing to see the work that he has done my uncle jerry lambert celebrated one year in long-term recovery last week that's awesome congratulations killer job g i'm uh, super proud of you man i love you it was Mm -hmm. awesome to see you a couple weeks ago when i was down there and kind of celebrate a little bit with you um and keep up the awesome work like i said if you guys have dates coming up feel free to drop them in the running post and we will recognize you on the show uh we also want to promote and talk about um community events yeah we want to let you guys know what events are taking place in the local area so you guys can get involved and kind of come out and support what's happening in your area so the first event is taking place november 4th at the first baptist church in bryson city they're hosting a hope and healing for communities event 
Um, it's hope and healing for communities that have been impacted by substance use disorder. So they're going to have like food, educational opportunities. Awesome. There's been a ton of stuff happening in Bryson. Um, there's a, like an organization called Renew Bryson and they're really like, they're really offering these types of like educational and um, relationship building type nice. events. That's really bringing the community community together. And like, they're doing it like consistently. It's not like one of those one-time things where like they do it mm -hmm. and then like six and months later, yeah. yeah, like it's like every couple of weeks they got something going on. So that's November 4th at 6 p.m. They are hosting um, this event at First Baptist Church in Bryson City. So come on out. Uh, Caleb is speaking at the event and a couple other local professionals will also be speaking at the event. So I would highly suggest coming out and getting connected with everybody. Um, that's the last event that I have, but there's a couple other things that I do want to promote with you guys. Um, what's going on? What's taking place right now? <laughs> what's taking place in like nationwide? What is happening? What are we about to do next Tuesday? I don't know. What are we going to do next We're, Tuesday? Well, next Tuesday is the official... Uh, Voting day oh, for your yeah. primaries. Yeah, we're gonna get out and vote. Yeah, and I already voted. That's but. what I mean. Early voting. Yeah. Is, early voting's going on right yes. now. And so the last day to vote early is actually this Saturday, November third. <clears throat> um, and I would highly suggest like taking advantage of that opportunity. Yeah. Just because like it's super easy, right? Right. In and super out. Super easy. No in lines. and out, no lines. Yeah. At least in Black Mountain where I work. Yeah, same thing here. And it's so important. Um, so get out, get out there and vote. I'm gonna post post a link if you don't know like where to go or because you can. They have like early voting stations, so right. you, so you're not um, stuck voting at your like regular precinct precinct, <laughs> um, which is kind of like. For me, it's awesome, and I'll tell you why, because um, it's really weird. Where I live is, I live, my address is Cullowee, and I live at the top of Cullowee Mountain. My zip code is Cullowee. My mailing address is Cullowee. So, like, all of my school, college, my job is down, right, mm -hmm. you know, in this same zip code and everything. However, because of where I live, my precinct, if I was to vote on election uh -huh. day, yeah is like 15 miles the other direction in Glen huh. Glenville Cashers really area. So like if I didn't vote early, I wouldn't it would be extremely 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 difficult for me to make it over to where yeah. I have to go um mm -hmm. if I didn't get in and vote early. So mm. get out and vote early guys. It's super easy. Um I got a website link that I'm going to post in the comments as well that will show you uh, you just punch in your zip code, and it'll show you all the the places yeah. that you can vote early. Super easy. Super easy to do. Um, definitely do that. And last but not least, the third event that I want to talk about today <clears throat> is the NC Raw Christmas Party. <laughs> okay? Um, I was talking to some folks over the weekend, and the idea – I realized that Christmas Eve was um, – Christmas Eve was on a Monday and I was like when I was making our schedules I'd reached out to some some guests who might be coming on the podcast um in November and I realized that Christmas Eve was on a Monday and I was like well that's when we normally normally do a podcast right. and um 
you know, most of all of my family is down in Florida. I won't really like be doing mm-hmm. a whole lot. If I didn't do a podcast, I would get stuck working. <laughs> so you're going to do a podcast. <laughs> so I'm going to do a podcast <laughs> and like, I want to do a Christmas party. Yeah. I want to do a Christmas party podcast where we'll have our four microphones set up and we will invite every former guest of the show, which includes you now, Amanda. Oh, okay. Every former guest of the show and anybody who who can hear my voice. Okay. Um, I talked to the folks here at the Comfort Inn and they're willing, willing to accommodate us regardless of the size of the party that we have. So that's amazing. Anybody and everybody is invited to come out. And so um, a lot of people responded to my post today and were inquiring on like, well, you know, you guys normally start at seven. That might be a little bit late, you know, kids, church, stuff like that. So I was thinking, um, and we'll talk about this further, but I was thinking starting around five o'clock. Yeah. So we'll start at like five o'clock and we will, um, Literally just start a podcast. We'll invite everybody to like bring a dish, you know, have some food. We'll play some Christmas music, right? Nice. And we'll like drink some eggnog and make it a party. <laughs> like we're going to have an on-air Christmas party. That sounds great. And I know a lot of times, you know, the holidays are hard for people. So I think that's a great way to get everybody together and connected and supported during that time. Absolutely. It's a great idea. And then also like, you know... I think recognize and show some gratitude like back to the people who have been supporting us, the guests and Mm -hmm. the people who tune in every week. Um, I think it's, it's important to do that. So if you guys are interested in joining us uh, for this party, go ahead and just let us know and um, we'll like shoot you all the details. I'm going to create a little event on there. And like I said, anybody and everybody is welcome doesn't matter no nobody will be turned down if you want to bring some food bring some food but we'll go ahead and uh invite everybody out so that's all i got for all mm-hmm. uh, all the business um so let's talk about amanda put <laughs> you on the spot okay all right um what you know a, a big part i mean we connected and we had had some good conversations about recovery and um what really kind of like outside of like your personal story, what you got going on. Um, one of the things that really interested me in having you come on the podcast is to kind of talk a little bit about what you do at work. Yeah. Because what you do directly relates to so many people that we have talked to on this podcast and just outside, like on the, mm-hmm. um, in my everyday life on the streets and kind of like doing, doing my thing. So what do you do for a living? Okay, so I work for the Buncombe County Reentry Council. Um, it's contracted through RHA Health Services, and we are located in the Justice Resource Center, which um, is an initiative done by the county um, to kind of provide wraparound services for anybody that has been involved in the justice system. And so, what we do in the Reentry Council is we um, offer supportive services to folks that are returning to Buncombe County from state prison. So we can help with housing, we can help with employment, transportation, and education. Um, And what that looks like as far as housing goes is we can pay for one month at any sober living house in Asheville. Um, And then for employment, um, 
I reach out to a lot of local employers and try to get them on board with hiring people that might be justice involved, um, might have a felony on their background. And so I work really closely with helping to find people employment. Um, we can give them bus passes so they can get around, uh, gift cards to Walmart and Ingalls, just that basic support that I think a lot of people don't have when they're leaving prison. A lot of times people get out and they're just dropped off somewhere and they literally have nothing. Um, a lot of the people that come up to see us literally have everything they own in a plastic bag. And so um, we just do the best that we can to provide as much support as we can for them. How long have you been doing this? Um, a little over a year. I started in October of last year. Uh-huh. So has it been pretty rewarding? I love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. So you're doing a lot of like networking both with mm-hmm. um, the individuals who are coming out, but then also with the community and finding those yeah. types of resources and building relationships with places that can mm-hmm. provide resources for those individuals. Yeah. What, um, tell me some success stories, man. I was like, really, oh, I was really man. curious as to There's like, so many. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, um, there's one girl that, uh, I still remember the day she came in and she had just gotten out and, uh, I was helping her find a job and, and she found one really quick. She actually found like three, I think. Um, and then she ended up getting full-time work at a hotel. We work really closely with the hotels in Asheville. That's one of the first places I went to when I started working there because there are so many hotels in Asheville and they were just super excited about it. Um, and so she got a job at one of these, um, hotels and she's just been doing amazing. She's reconnected with her family. Um, she was promoted within like six months I think of working there so she went from housekeeping to front desk and um she's gonna go get her peer support so she's just rocking it and that's true of a lot of people that we see but we never hear those stories yeah I know and like you know in all these different conversations that we have um I ask people all the time either on the podcast or in person is like what's your what's the biggest barrier from like the work Mm -hmm. that you're doing Mm -hmm. And everybody always gives me this vague answer. Do you know what it is? What? Stigma. Oh. <laughs> like, that wouldn't be my answer. I know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll get there. Okay. Um, but I always get this, I always get this stigma answer and I'm just like, well, yeah. what does that mean? Like, like, tell me, like, give me an example. Give me a specific example of what, not only what that means, but what does it look like? Right. Because like you might define stigma different than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, what is it, what what specifically are you talking about? And so, like, I think a lot of times we get, like, collectively as a, um, as a society, we kind of, like, get stuck in these, like, catch words, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, that's, like, where our only focus is placed. Yeah. But you doing what you do every day, right? You have these, like these moments Mm -hmm. with these individuals and these stories to like to share yeah um and i just think that's that's such an amazing thing and i think that like my organization nc raw peer support everybody Mm -hmm. that's doing things in the community that's where we need to put the spotlight on right i don't i don't know i just get like caught up in the whole stigma yeah Thing, you can like, it's like a rabbit hole and once you start going down it's like how do you climb back out and focus on the positive things that are happening 
in our community and there are lots of positive things happening. There are lots of positive things happening around here. Yeah. Um, how did you get to where you are today? Let's let's, let's take it. Let's take where it back. Where would you like me to let's start? Let's take it back. <laughs> let's take it back. Um, you're on NC Raw. Yeah. North Carolina Recovery Always. Mm-hmm. Um, and where we talk about various pathways and approaches to recovery. Yes. So, uh, with that being said, what you're a person in long-term recovery. Mm-hmm. You are. I am. Okay. What what led up to that transformation <laughs> in your life? Oh goodness. Okay. Well, um so I entered treatment in 2010. Um and I decided that, you know, 28 days seven days wasn't going to work. I did seven days in a crisis stabilization unit and then I went back out. Um, and so when I finally got to that point where I was like, something has to change. Um, I said two years, let's do two years cause I'm crazy. Um, but it, it changed my life and it was amazing. Um, it was hard, but, um, so that kind of jump started my recovery because I, I feel like my recovery didn't really start until I got out into the real world. After the two-year program? Right, yeah. Because okay. um, I learned how to just get up every day and go to work and not use. But I didn't learn how to, like, thrive mm-hmm. um, and really live. And, like, what it seems like what happens in so many cases, and even mine um, included, is that, like, you do so well in that super-structured mm-hmm. environment. Yeah. But then, like it's like all or nothing when it comes to the structure. So then you're out there yeah, and, and you're left on your own to, to find that structure, mm-hmm. to find your people, yeah, the people that will support you. Um, tell me a little, just a little bit about the, the treatment program that mm-hmm. you're at. Like what was the, so it was a therapeutic community. Um, and so basically the structure of that is that you live in community with other people. Um, And you work while you're there, and that kind of pays for your housing, um, your food, basically everything that you need to live while you're there. Um, And there was different phases. And so at the end, the last six months, um, you can get your own job um, and start ideally saving some money so that you can kind of start on your own after that. So that's the basic structure of it. And you were able to do that. You were able to get a job and get out on your own. I was, out. yeah. So I, um, I found this tiny little like one room shack, uh, with a bathroom and this tiny kitchen, and it was like three eighty five a month, I think. Cha ching. Yeah. Good luck and finding something like that in the Asheville area now. I know, huh? right? <laughs> I mean, it was pretty bad. Like I froze in the winter and. It was, but it was great for where I was. Um, and I got a job at a little cafe and I walked to work every day cause I didn't have a car yet. Um, so I did that for a couple of years. Really started over. On oh yeah. Own. I literally had nothing mm-hmm. except for some clothes. What was the progression like? And, and what were you like in early recovery coming out of there? Like what were mm-hmm. you doing? What, how active were you in the recovery scene in Asheville and what, like what steps were you taking to? Mm-hmm. 
So I was going to meetings, um, mostly in Black Mountain because I didn't have a car yet. So, and I was relying a lot on people um, for rides. Um, but I also stayed really connected to some people that had been through the same program that I had been through. Um, and so we kind of bonded that way also. Um, I started just kind of going to whatever I could. I went to a meditation meeting a couple times. I went to different types of meetings. Um, but really for me, the, the most, the turning point for me was going back to school. Um, so once I was able to buy a car, um, and get my license back. Then I was able to really start living. And I went to school, and education was really important to what me. What led up to you making that decision to go back to school? Like, what kind of lit that fire? Um, it was something I always wanted to do. Was I it? mean, like, I literally had gone to, I think, like, four different schools within a span of 15 years. Mm-hmm. And so I finally finished at UNCA. Um, and that's probably something that I'm most proud of out of anything I've ever done in my life. Yeah. For sure. Were you did you stay in the same field of study? I did. From yeah. like originally? So yeah. Psychology. Your, and so your original plans fifteen years prior were Yeah. Psychology. Yep. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um when I was like when I was uh out Mm-hmm. In my active addiction, I always held a job. I always like went to work. Like mm. I was kind of like one of the rare people that I knew that like I had such a high level of like work ethic that I knew that if I always showed up to work, I could mm-hmm. I could continue the lifestyle because I always had that paycheck coming right. every two Fridays. And my mom would always be like, "You should get into school. You should try to get into school. You should try to get into school." And like I never once took a single class like out <laughs> of high school. Yeah. Never once um, took one college course. And so, like, there was a huge level of fear mm. when I was like, mm. I want to, you know, in the treatment center in 2014, I was like, I'm, I want to go to school. Yeah. And then, like, that whole process of, like, walking back into the classroom. But in a situation like, like yours, you kind of had that experience. A little bit, yeah. And knowing you, like, I know you. You got that, <laughs> like, that... um dedication that work mm. ethic and the brains upstairs that i'm sure you're a good student yeah come on let me kind of. i'm talking you up girl <laughs> yeah i mean it, it it was harder um the second time the fourth time the fourth time yes it was hard i mean i was older than everybody in my class mm-hmm. um and you know i was working two jobs you can use it to your advantage that age yeah bring that wisdom to them young kids yeah, totally. <laughs> Working two jobs. Yeah. At a cafe and a cafe and then I also worked um at a restaurant at night too. What so. were your goals at that time like for your career? Mm-hmm. You know, you just... I didn't really have a lot of long-term goals. I just knew that I wanted to finish something. And even though, you know, I had finished 2 years of treatment, um which was super important and I was proud of that, but I really wanted to finish school. It was just something that I just always really wanted to do and Every time I went back and started at a new school, I'd always be so disappointed in myself um, whenever I, you know, went back out and didn't finish. So. What did it feel like to walk across that stage? Oh, it was amazing. 
and I'm pretty sure I cried the whole time. Because, <laughs> like, they all stand there as you're walking out, and they clap for you. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, oh, my God, I'm not going to last. I mean, I was sobbing <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. So it was a pretty great feeling. How quick out of um, out of the graduation mm-hmm. did you find work in I had a job actually before um, before I graduated, so um, I started working at a methadone clinic as a substance use counselor. Is that like for like a work based learning internship kind of thing that you made that connection, or you just no? I actually knew somebody um, that worked at the um, I worked for Crossroads, and I knew somebody that worked for the one in Asheville, and he was like, "The one in Weaverville is hiring. Um, you should go interview." And I did, and they offered me the job before I graduated, so. I yeah. was really lucky, I think. Yeah. Yeah, transportation. Oh yeah. Set up at that at time. that point, yeah, I had a car. It's good to go. How did you so you immediately started working in the field? What did your recovery mm-hmm. look like like in the um the years when you were in, in school and then how it, did it like transfer into working in the field and kind of like balancing your personal recovery with working at the methadone clinic mm-hmm. and Yeah, I mean, my recovery has always been about connections with other people. Um, And whether that was going to an NA meeting, um, I kind of stepped away from that fellowship after a couple years because I just found it wasn't it wasn't for me. It wasn't what I needed Um, and really just tried to develop my own wellness through, you know, creative arts. Um, I started painting I started doing photography again, which is something I always love to do. Bro, I've seen your photos, man. <laughs> you got it going on. Thanks. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I started doing that, like, as a side business. Uh-huh. And um, doing hiking and just all those things that connect you, connect me to something greater than myself, whatever that looks like. Um, that turned into what my recovery is and what my wellness is today. Mm-hmm. So, And then you are able to, like take the knowledge that you learned in the classroom in mm-hmm. combination with those recovery skills that you're building up and yeah. apply them at work. Yeah. Although I must say that, um, you know, medication assisted treatment, it, it's different and it was really challenging for me. And it was something that I didn't have a whole lot of knowledge about going into it. Um, and so I, I think I learned a lot by working there for two years. Um, and I, and I would say that it actually kind of like deepened my wellness and recovery. Um, and I can't really explain why, but it just did. Um, it was really difficult. One, I had to get up at 3 a.m. every Ooh. single day. <laughs> and so I went to bed at 7 p.m. every night. So I literally had like no social life, really. I mean, I could hang out with people from like, you know, 2 to 5, but everyone else has a real job, so... Um, so yeah, it was an interesting experience. That's for sure. How long did you work at the methadone clinic? About two years. Okay. Good. Good opportunity to kind of. Yeah. I'm, I'm grateful for it for sure. How did you turn that into, I'm assuming was your next job was. Yeah. Reentry. Um, I was slightly burnt out from working there. Um, and so I was looking for something else, something else to do. And, um, when I came across this job position, it just felt like a natural transition for me because a lot of the same people that I was working with, um, in medication assisted treatment are the same types of people that I'm working with now in prison reentry. Um, 
And also I felt drawn to it, I think, because, you know, even though I haven't spent time in prison, I've been in the justice system and I know what it's like to um, start over again and transition from being in a very structured environment to being out on your own again. Um, and so it just made sense to me. Yeah, like though though I never spent time in prison, the time that I did spend in the justice system with my privilege was mm-hmm. was still so such a nightmare that I cannot imagine yeah. what it's like for the people who you the yeah. individuals that you deal with on a daily basis. I just don't know what that struggle would be like because mm-hmm. it was such a nightmare for the in the big scale of things like the minor yeah minor part that I dealt with like I don't understand I can't wrap my mind mm-hmm. around what these individuals deal with like on a daily basis man. yeah yeah I I feel the exact same way and you know when I think about someone who has spent you know longer than a year in prison that affects so much it affects our you know minds and our emotions and um I see a lot of people come out and they're traumatized by their experience. And then they're supposed to just be out in the real world again and function normally. And I'm just like, how does, how does that happen? And then you throw in all these um, expectations of right? like probation, parole, whatever, yeah. it, whatever it may be without the mm-hmm. proper resources to fulfill those obligations. Right. And it's like a recipe for disaster. Yeah. and And that's why I'm so grateful that, you know, Buncombe County is doing a lot for people that are coming out. The that, things that I see you guys doing, I mean, I come yeah. from I come from big city, Florida, and like the things I see you guys doing yeah. like are not prevalent in, in other states. A large portion of this country. Yeah. You know, like um kudos to like whoever's like leading that charge and like applying for these grants and getting the funding mm-hmm. and like has the whoever has the insight to say like hey we, we have an opportunity to right yeah well and i i know a lot of it is um is backed by governor cooper he is really big into reentry, mm-hmm. um and the goal i think is to have a reentry council in every county in the state yeah. right now i think there's like I know we just got some new ones, but I want to say there's like 14 to 16 maybe. Um, but there's a lot more to go. Yeah. So, yeah, People don't think of uh, this area as like a huge state, but like it's like so like spread out. Yeah. And like just different from like coast to coast mm-hmm. that, or from, you know, the coast, coast to the mountains. To, yeah. That it's like um, uh, just so different all the yeah. way across the board. So we started working. As in reentry, mm-hmm. what um, what was that initial? What was your initial impressions of that job? <laughs> Having not been somebody that had probably mm-hmm. a whole lot of experience with the barriers that these individuals will be dealing with, right? What? Um, it was. I mean, it was overwhelming at first, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would watch people come in. Um so broken and then I would watch um my boss he doesn't like me to call him my boss but my colleague Brent um just fill these people with hope and say you know what I know you don't have a place to sleep right now but you're going to by the end of this day um and he says he makes magic happen and he totally does and we do um and so 
you know, it was overwhelming, but um, once I got into the groove of it, it was just so rewarding and so amazing. By the looks of what you guys post on social media, it looks like that you have a solid team Oh yeah, of people who are all just as passionate about it as mm-hmm. you are. And you guys make it fun. Oh yeah, you have to. The perception <laughs> that I get is not just for you guys in the office, but for the individuals that you're working with. Yeah. Paint me a picture. Okay. What does it look like? Like how? What's the process like? Like how do you... <laughs> get involved do you start meeting with individuals like upon their release date Mm -hmm. and then what do you do you go in you work with them and do an assessment and find out what like paint that picture for so there's different avenues um where someone can get connected with us um brent does a lot of work going into the prisons and meeting with people that he knows are going to be released soon um and i've gone a couple times but um he does a lot of that outreach, and then I stay in the center for um, a lot of times people who, you know, they're on post-release supervision, so their PO will send them up to the 15th floor, and they will do an initial intake. They'll just answer questions about what their immediate needs are, and then we kind of just go from there. I sit down with them and um, just kind of prioritize what they need in that moment and start working on it. What's what's like the majority of it? Like what's the what are what do most people that you work with like what are mm-hmm. their needs? What do they need? What what's missing? Well, it's mainly um transportation, housing and employment. Those are the three biggest ones. Um and I would say the biggest barrier that we have right now is housing. Um a lot of the sober living houses are full and so it can be a challenge. Um, especially when you have somebody sitting across from you in the office who literally has everything they own in a plastic bag and they have nowhere to go and the shelters are full. Um, that's definitely the biggest barrier. And so you have relationships with a few mm-hmm. sober living homes yeah. that you know that will um, welcome these individuals. You reach out. They don't have... Worst case scenario, they don't have a bed, they don't have room. Yeah. What are your options? Um, Basically, shelters. I mean, that's really our only option. Um, Because our funding, we can only pay for them to go to a sober living house. So we can't just pay like a normal rent payment. Um, And so, you know, we just try to make as many connections with the sober living transitional houses as we can. If you get them into a sober living house... Mm -hmm. And you said that you pay their first month's mm-hmm. rent. You continue to work with that individual. Oh, yeah. For So, like, are you finding that um, 30 days or one month is enough time to find them a job to be able to it usually support is. themselves in that living environment? Yeah, it usually is. I mean, there are some times when, you know, maybe they didn't get a job until um, a couple weeks until the next month is due. Um, a lot of times the houses will work with them on that. They can pay weekly, um, until they can get caught up. Yeah. So how many of these individuals that you're working with, um, identify as somebody in recovery? Like all of them. 99 (laughs) point. Basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I would say 90 something percent. So what role do you play in connecting them with recovery 
related resources? I try my best to get them connected. Um, and most of the sober living houses that we send them to, you know, they have to go to yeah. meetings. Um, but if someone identifies that maybe they are not into NA or AA, um, I would connect them with refuge recovery if that was something they wanted to do um, or seek healing. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. is like you're somebody that's like um, – very involved in like all of the fellowships, mm-hmm. both like probably prefer personally and professionally, right? Like you get your feet wet. Yeah. I just want, I want to know what everyone is doing yeah. to help people because that's what it takes. It takes an entire community, um, to help get people back into the swing of things. Yeah. What does your recovery look like today? Um, it's amazing. And I mean, I don't know. It's, Life, it's it feels like my life when I was using is a whole nother life. Like Dude, this is just, I say that all the time. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, it's like literally, like I wake up and I'm just so grateful that I have the life I have, that I get to go to the job that I have, that I get to work with such amazing people every day. Um, and so, you know, my recovery looks like I just immerse myself in whatever I can that's going to help me be a better person and it's going to help me to be the happiest person that i can be yeah i I totally feel the exact same way like because a lot of like the work that i do kind of internally with refuge recovery and um working on the inventories Mm kind of annually like bringing them back up and like really going deep to see if there's anything that i miss is there Mm -hmm. are there things that i'm not acknowledging right are there things that i just like buried and um Mm -hmm put away and didn't really acknowledge the last time I did it. So we try to do it like once a year and like in doing that, bro, things come up. A lot of stuff comes up, but in upon like reflecting on these experiences, it's like, that wasn't me. Like I'm not that dude. Right. It totally feels like, um, another life. Yeah. (laughs) Like I just can't explain it. Yeah. It's not like avoiding those situations because I'm totally acknowledging them. Right. Uh, but it's just like I don't even it does not like I don't even in a lot of things it's just like I don't even I don't even remember I don't even like they're just not it wasn't me right I don't even know I don't even know how to explain it (laughs) I was recently having a conversation with my mom and she was telling me things about you know when I was in active use and I was like I don't remember that at all like I don't remember saying that and I remember doing that um and so yeah it's almost like I was just a whole nother person and yeah, I just don't. I don't know. I just don't. I don't know. I've looked at it all, and things come up every year, but it's just. Well, it's, I think that self reflection, <laughs> self reflection, and self awareness is such a huge part of my staying well. Mm-hmm. You know. How do you do it? What does it look like? I do a lot of meditation, mm-hmm. um, intention setting, um, reflecting on past behaviors. Um, you know, it's funny. I woke up this morning to a message on Facebook from an old friend of mine that um, that I think about probably every year because we had a really bad falling out um, when I I was at the very beginning of my path of addiction, and um, and she said that it was on her heart that she needed to apologize for the way that um, things ended between us. And in my mind, I was thinking, why are you apologizing? Like, I was, 
I was an asshole. <laughs> like, I really was. I don't remember much of it, but I know I wasn't acting the way that I do now in that time. So, um, yeah, so things like that and just little connections, awareness comes up and um, I self-reflect on those crazy times and behaviors and how far I've come and that just strengthens everything that I have. You got it going on, girl. You do. Mm, I try. <laughs> um, how, what other thing, mm -hmm. what other, in like getting your feet wet and kind of like testing the waters in various pathways to recovery, what, how are, like, what have you come to like take mm -hmm. in these different practices and these different things? Like what, what all are you doing? Like what are the, what are you finding most valuable today? Um, hmm. I don't know. I mean, I think just um, making really strong connections with people. Mm -hmm. um, that is part of Seek Healing, the nonprofit that I started volunteering with. They are a new nonprofit in Asheville, and they're doing truly amazing things. And it's based on the idea that the opposite of addiction is connection. And for me, that is everything because I know when I was using, um, I didn't feel connected to anything. It was yeah. so isolating. And, and I also felt isolated when I was, um, doing 12 step recovery meetings. For me, it just felt like I was kind of cutting myself off from the rest of the world and the community and just staying in this one little bubble and so what Seek Healing does is it brings people that are in recovery and trying to better themselves in contact with other people that are also doing the same thing, but maybe they don't necessarily identify as like in recovery. Um, because I think that recovery and wellness happens in connection with other people. Um, and so they provide free aftercare services for anybody that is, they, I think they really try to gear towards people that are post-detox because a lot of times people get out of detox and there's nothing, you know, it's kind of like, okay, now I got to figure it out, um, which is really difficult. So they're just doing great things and I love it. How did you get connected with them and how long have you been volunteering? So I, I think you posted something on the meditation meeting that was happening and I went to that meeting. And the guy that runs that meeting um, mentioned Seek Healing, and he said, you know, they're kind of a partner with this. And um, and so I went to their website, and I looked at it, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is this is amazing. And so I emailed um, somebody at Seek Healing, and I was like, how do I get involved? And they said, oh, you take this listening training, and, and then you can volunteer. And so I volunteer um, one hour a week just – getting together and connecting with someone else that is also on a recovery journey. Yeah. That's so cool, man. You got, Asheville just has so many different. It's amazing. Things happening. Yeah. Um, I often feel conflicted in like being so far away. You know what the drive was like, you just yeah. did it. And that's only like three quarters of it. Yeah. Cause it's still another like 30 minutes. Yeah. That's a um, long drive to the house. So it is a long drive and it like, it's totally worth it. Um, because of these opportunities, but like a part of me wants to like create these things here. Yeah. And you totally can. <laughs> no worries. Pause. There's no pausing on Instagram. <laughs>
there's so like like <laughs> I'm like um I'm like experiencing like this struggle with like do I get out there and get more involved or do I try to like create these um these opportunities here in like yeah. my own backyard and then it's so much like so much more rural and there's like smaller time crowds like mm-hmm. You know, we had six people last night at a refuge recovery meeting and we were stoked. <laughs> like we were excited that six people showed up. Like yeah. that was the first time and thank you, Kendall. You are amazing. <laughs> we love you, you Kendall. <laughs> Kendall works at the front desk here at the Comfort Inn. Come and give her some love. She's great every week. Um, but like we were so stoked because we had six people in, yeah. the, in the room. Um, where it's like, but I know these I know that the community needs these types of yeah. um, connections, right? Right. I always felt talking about CQ and what they're what they got going on. Like, I always felt connected mm-hmm. in active addiction hmm. because I was like the life of the party and the guy that was bringing people to do the bad, the horror, the right. crazy things. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they just weren't authentic connections. Right. There were, there were yeah. connections in unhealthy ways. Right. You know. Um, uh, romantic relationships centered around drugs, mm-hmm. romantic relationships centered around alcohol yeah. and things like that. Um, every relationship. Every. like that every, for me. Yeah. But like, <laughs> so like, that's like the, one of the most, um, the biggest challenges is mm-hmm. like, I've always been able to build relationships because mm-hmm. of my like retail background. Mm-hmm. Like I, I learned very early how to sell myself right and how to build relationships with the customer base and the people who i saw on a daily basis Mm -hmm. um and earn their trust right if i'm trying to sell them something like to to earn their trust and once the drug but i was obviously intoxicated too so like once the (laughs) (laughs) once the um that that was gone Mm -hmm. that like fuel yeah to to keep me motivated and keep going like it was it's even now like four years later and like um you know it takes a lot for me to i'll talk to people Mm -hmm. but it takes a lot for me to get close to somebody yeah um and so that's why like what what c keeling is doing what you guys are doing and Mm -hmm. the people that you're like connecting with yeah is so valuable and i think that like doing something like that Mm -hmm. in combination with whatever fellowship it is that you identify with, whether it's celebrate recovery, 12 step refuge, whatever that Mm -hmm. is. I think that's like a perfect combination Mm -hmm. because you said in your 12 step fellowship, you didn't, you didn't have that connection. Right. Right. I mean, I felt connected to the people that were in the room, but disconnected from the outside world Mm -hmm. and the communities that I worked in and lived in, you know, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that having that authentic connection with the community as a whole, I think, is important. Are you learning a lot? I mean, you you have healthy relationships in your personal life, and you have, but like, are you learning valuable skills from this from the listener side of CQing? Oh yeah, that you're definitely. To? And that that training that I did with them was sort of life-changing for mm-hmm. me. I mean, some of the things that we did in that training was just, it was super awkward and weird for a little while, but... Because, um, like, you're, like, really, like... It's just a different way of of connecting with another human being, and it's more so on a deeper level than just, you know, how's the weather and 
how's your job going? You know, it's more, how are you feeling in this moment? Tell me what you're feeling on the inside. Yeah. And it's kind of weird, but. Go on, tell me some more. What was it, the whole day? Tell me the whole, what was the whole day like? <laughs> I'm, I'm pulling up their well, schedule to see if they have another training It was coming two up. days. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm, I think they do. Yeah. Um, and it was like, so one of the exercises was you had to partner up with somebody and, um, and just notice everything that you could notice and you said it out loud while the other person just stood there. <laughs> so like, I noticed that you're wearing a green shirt today. I noticed that you raised your eyebrows when I said that. I noticed that you're taking a sip of your coffee or whatever's in your cup. Um, and so you just did that for like five minutes and then you switched roles. Um, so it was weird. What does the other person do when they're... They just stand there. They just let they take They it. just listen, yeah. yeah. Listen so, but there was tons of other activities that we did. Um, they call them um, authentic relating games. Okay. And they also have an authentic relating game night, uh-huh. I think, on Fridays. I see that. Yeah. Um, they are having another listener training on December 8th. Nice. In Nashville. So Do it. Check out. <laughs> if anybody you, wants to. You're like the third person that I know that um, went through the training. Really? And just came back with Yay. like life-changing. Um, and I only like... I went that one time to the opioid mm-hmm. um, training that Jennifer did Jennifer yeah, from, from right. C. Keelan. And like, I was just like, just the way that she, it's the same material, mm-hmm. the same material that I've heard at any one of these other Right. But trainings, the way she presents it is the delivery. just different mm-hmm. and it makes sense. She actually came to um, one of our RHA team meetings and, um, and because she did that, I think, uh, Someone who is in drug court is going to be able to participate in seek healing, and that can be their recovery meetings. Wow, which is truly amazing. Yeah. So, do you are you involved in the drug court process um, at all? Not really. Every once in a while, I'll get a referral for someone who might want to do um, a rap plan or um, or just need some peer support. You mentioned the word that fu- that gets you fired up. <laughs> rap. Rap. <laughs> Yeah, so well, it uh, stands for Wellness Recovery Action Plan, um, and it's something that I love because for me, it's just like a way of being. Um, and in this plan, um, I get to like identify like what it looks like when I'm well, all the things I need to do on a daily basis to keep me well, um, whatever my triggers are, and then like an action plan for each trigger. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now, who the process? Yeah. So like. You're doing this with your clients? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I can sit down one-on-one with someone and, and they can and guide them into creating their own rap. Um, and then I also lead um, a rap group when we talk about the different kind of skills, um, wellness and recovery skills, um, and how they can apply them to their life. And then they also end up doing a rap also okay. throughout that process. Are you finding that? It's resourceful that that their clients are like turning towards these. Yeah, definitely. I remember the first one I ever did with somebody and she was like, wow, this is really cool. She's like, I can see how this will be helpful. Like, because it's it's written down in this tiny, we have these little mini wraps. Yeah, I ordered a hundred. Good. (laughs) Awesome. So, and you can just take them with you anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's also really helpful to share with your support system. Um. I remember I shared it with my mom and she was just like, yes, this is everything. Like, cause there's a section where you talk about when things are breaking down, um, early warning signs. And she was like, I recognize these signs. Like, this is true. 
Um, and so it's just really, it's just a good thing to have. We, um, uh, you're always like talking about it and posting about it and so like it it intrigued me because i wasn't very very familiar with it and Mm -hmm. so i did a little bit of research um and you know i presented it to our club because our collegiate recovery organization Mm -hmm. is a student org and so like it's completely peer-run and peer-led and what i was finding is that Many of the students who participate in like our social events and things that um, we do mm-hmm. are oftentimes reaching out to the instructors or reaching out to the advisors mm-hmm. when life happens. And those people that are doing that, so they're 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 tying up a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. That, you know, these instructors need like teaching time, like right. classroom time, yeah. you know, um, but those same people who are constantly like reaching out and having these conversations, they tend to not be actively participating in the things that we have on campus to support them. Hmm. Right. It's like the, the, um, couple two times twice a week support groups Mm -hmm. and the other um meetings and things that we have so we've talked about like kind of making it a policy that Mm -hmm. we're gonna and i would like to invite you Mm -hmm. if you're time willing um making it a policy that beginning of the semester anybody that's in the student org we're gonna sit down and have a workshop and we're all gonna work on our action and plan together mm-hmm. and then throughout the semester maybe once a month or every two weeks we're going to sit down and we're going to take a look at it and see where mm-hmm. it stands and see if um we've used it if we need to make adjustments like and kind of mm-hmm. just like assess where we stand with it yeah to kind of bring some accountability to campus and then also like um support each other and like kind of open up the class time to right. a more um conducive learning environment yeah you know what i mean the one thing i will say about rap is that in order to honor the integrity of it it has to be something that's completely 100 percent voluntary so i wouldn't like say like you have to do this because (laughs) then it's not gonna work we're gonna host okay we're gonna host (laughs) the workshops there you go and then if they want to come they can yeah sweet um You have, have to, throw to that out do there. this. You have to do this. <laughs> no. You're not going to come on the hiking trip next Friday unless <laughs> I sign off on your rap. No. <laughs> no. So we're going to suggest that all students uh, that participate in our yeah. events. You could, you could invite them. <laughs> we're going to invite them to the <laughs> rap workshop. There you go. And we're going to have the little pocket wraps that we you order. Can't, yeah. You can't mandate wellness. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it yeah. has to be from like a serious place of. But if you're joining the club, you're committing to wellness. <laughs> no? Um, yes. Yeah. You're not. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I would just say, just invite them to do a rap. I sp- we got spun out there. <laughs> we got spun out on the rap, rap gimmick. So you're, you're doing this. How often do you do this, like, in your work um, environment? 
So we do, I actually just started doing a, an eight week rap group with Tanasia from Sunrise. Um, and so we do that every Friday um, in the Justice Resource Center. And that's just for anybody who wants to. Um, so that's open to like the public. Yeah. That's what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. We've had like three people yeah, come. Yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah. but again, how do you, people find out about like, so sea killing has been promoting it. Okay. Um, we've put out flyers all over the justice resource center and, um, we've told sunrise about it. So, um, I think ideally we would want people to come who have been justice involved since we are sure. in the justice resource center. Um, but that's still a lot of people yeah. in Buncombe County. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's just it's challenging for people to come into the courthouse when they don't have to. So that's something we're kind of it's a barrier, you yeah. know what I mean? You got to go through the metal detectors, and it, sometimes it's traumatizing for people, and I get that. Yeah. Um, so it's also kind of like rewarding, <laughs> right? To like me, like, to be like, hey, I'm here I'm on here my for, own. Yeah. yeah, I'm here to, to for my <laughs> wellness. Right? Like, look what I'm doing today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's how i feel but yeah I send me send me some info and we'll share it every okay. time you guys do it on the show because i think awesome. that it is a, a valuable um valuable thing that you're doing for the for the community and um i would highly recommend it to anybody that has interest again i'm so far away i know gosh you should just move to Asheville. It's on the radar, man. It's on the radar. If I could find one of those three hundred dollar, uh, <laughs> I can see if that place is still for rent. <laughs> yeah, if I could find one of those, I'd be all over it. Yeah. Um, what are your goals, man? Long term goals. What do you want to do? Oh man, I've heard you talk about getting back into school. I've mm -hmm. heard rumors of. Yeah, I want to go back to school so badly. Um, right now, it's trying to figure out how to pay for that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is the barrier for me. Um, but I know it'll happen. Um, I just have to be patient. Um, so, but I'm also kind of, you know, I wanted to go for a master's in social work. Um, not really clear about like what exactly I want to do with that. I don't know if that means I want to be a social worker. I don't really know. Um, but then I've also looked into a master's in public affairs, uh, which sounds really interesting to me. Yeah. So tell me more. I don't really know a whole lot more. Okay. But I know that the coordinator for the Justice Resource Center has one. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to talk to so her and pick her brain. Land that gig. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm just kind of I'm letting life take me wherever it wants to take me, and I know that Asheville is home for me, so I don't plan on leaving. Uh huh. Um. Although I would like to go out west at some point in life. To travel or to for permanent. Well, to travel first, because I don't know that I would like it enough to, to live there permanently, but um, I also would love to travel, you know, out of the country. That's a huge dream and goal of mine, but I guess I should go back to school first. What's on your radar? <laughs> I really want to go to New Zealand and Greece and Spain and Italy. Uh, and well. every other place that I could possibly go to. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I have never traveled outside of the continental United States, but I have traveled a lot. Um, Inside the States? Yeah, all over, man. Oh, that's cool. Um, what was your favorite place? I don't know. I, didn't, I haven't done any traveling since I found recovery. 
And so, like, a lot of my favorite places revolved around, like, partying. Like, yeah. I, I had a really good time in San Francisco, uh, Lake Tahoe, mm-hmm. obviously New Orleans, Charleston, Savannah, the Dirty South. Right. You know? um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Definitely. Definitely something that interests me. Like, those, yeah. I think, like, South America. Yeah. Um, I just want to see how other people live. You know what yeah. I mean? Just like the other, like the cultures and the food. Really, I just want to travel and eat. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> if you guys don't follow Amanda <laughs> on Instagram, I would highly suggest it because this woman is a food junkie, <laughs> and she is posts some of the most amazing um, food shots. Yeah. What is? Like, I just like to eat. And, I mean, there's really nothing else. And cook. Well, yeah. But I think I like to cook because I like to eat. Uh-huh. It's kind of like out of necessity. You know what I mean? Yeah. But but I think that a lot of it has to do with the fact that when I was in active addiction, I never ate. And so now I have this whole like relationship with food that I just love. Mm-hmm. I love it. Like food is like art to me. It totally is. Yeah. What, um, what's your favorite recipes, like killer recipes oh, that man. you got? Because I, I, you just like, you're always at it. So my favorite is braised short ribs over angel hair pasta with a horseradish cream sauce, uh-huh. which I just made recently. So good. <laughs> Do you want me to tell you more recipes? Yeah, I want some recipes, <laughs> man. I just made a spaghetti squash lasagna that was really good. That you had for lunch today? I did, yeah. I ate a lot of it. <laughs> Too much of it. I'd like to um, I'd like to have some of these recipes emailed to me tomorrow, if possible. I will do my best. That would be fantastic. <laughs> um, long-term goals after graduating, right? Mm. Kind of like. I don't know. I So one dream that I have had since I, um, since I uh, entered into the real world after treatment. The real world. Yeah. Um, is to start a nonprofit that helps recovering people um, get dental care. And why did you want to do that? <laughs> um, it's so funny. I don't know. It's just funny. So a big part of my recovery story is the fact that I did receive um, a lot of dental assistance um, between drug use and not taking care of my teeth. Um, they all were basically rotting out of my head. And I never smiled. Like, literally refused to smile because I was so embarrassed and so self-conscious of um, the way that I looked. And so I was working in a cafe. I don't really know how I even got that job because I didn't smile like at all. Um, And I was eating a caramel and one of my teeth just came right out in it like, hello. Um, And so at the time I had been waiting on this, uh, pastor of a church in black mountain and he said i really want to help you like get that tooth fixed there's somewhere that you had built a relationship with right. like a regular customer that yeah was in, there often. in the community yeah mm-hmm. and so Did he, was he aware of your like your story and kind of like yeah. your background so yeah you had... he knew uh-huh. um and so he set me up an appointment with a dentist who was in the, his congregation and i went and um i thought he was just going to fix the one tooth and, um, the one that fell out in the yeah. restaurant. Yeah. Yes. Awful. Um, and after I went in for my like initial consultation, which I did not have to pay for, um, 
he said, we want to help you to smile again. And I was like, wait, what does that mean exactly? And he was like, we're going to give you a new smile. And I think I cried for like two days straight because I was just like in complete awe that anybody would. I mean, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So um, it was a process of about a year. And the first appointment I had, he basically just kind of drilled down. He took out what needed to be taken out and then drilled down all of my top teeth um, as much as he could and then put – it was one big piece on top. Um, And so it was a temporary, but I could smile. And I remember he put it in. And he handed me the mirror, and um, my face was, like, super numb, so I couldn't feel anything. But I just started crying hysterically because it's – if anybody knows what that's like to not be able to smile, it crushes your soul. I mean, truly. You can't really be yourself. You can't – you feel like you can't really talk to people. Um, And so, yeah, that was life-changing for me, for sure. And um, and so I want to start a nonprofit that helps other people have that same life-changing experience that I had because it was amazing. You want to give that experience to others. Yeah, I want it's, to give it to everybody. It's something that many folks experience. And like we can – it's one of those things that like we can change our diet. We can exercise. Mm-hmm. We can lose weight um, when we get into recovery. But it's one of those residual effects that's with you, you know, yeah. unless you can financially afford those procedures. And which nobody are, who can. can? Yeah. <laughs> Even with like stellar coverage. Right. You're not going to pay $25,000, no. $30,000 or whatever right. it costs to yeah. get a new grill put in. Like, And I don't want to just help people get cavities filled. You know what I mean? Yeah, which, you want to give them a smile. Right. Exactly. Like you can take away the pain and that's wonderful because it is very painful also. But um. But yeah, being able to smile is yeah, it's huge. Yeah, um, you you can always you can see like it's easy to uh to know when like mm-hmm. that is weighing on somebody. Like you can just like oh you can I like can tell it's more than it's more than just the smile. Like right. just the look in their mm-hmm. face. Like you can tell that there's like a level of um a level of shame and yeah um, uncertainty kind of underneath that, mm-hmm. and it's uh it's challenging like. I guess I, I was lucky because like it's all back here. Yeah. Like I do have like some severe like mm-hmm. yellowing from the decades of smoking and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, but like all mm-hmm. my all my bad teeth are back here. And so like it doesn't I'll still like smile, I guess. If I'm like, geez, stall too. But like yeah. you know, like it's not something that like weighs on me. Yeah. Um but I couldn't I mean I couldn't tell you the last time I went to the dentist. You know, mm. like a long freaking time, yeah, because of that reason, yeah, um, so I couldn't imagine like what it's like for somebody um to do that, so I think that's an mm-hmm. awesome, awesome cause and vision mm-hmm. for you i would uh I would support your efforts in any <laughs> way that you can, like what is the like what would it look like? what are you gonna have to do? you gotta form a non profit, yeah, do some fundraising, yeah, and start Get, find some you know. Dennis, a good dentist yeah yeah it'll happen it will happen mm-hmm. i say go move forward what All do you right. need what's stopping you 
Let's do it. Myself. Yourself? <laughs> Hold on. Let's go into this. I know, right? Let's get let's get into it a little bit. No. Um, There's always some self-doubt, especially when you are dreaming big and, you know, you want to do something amazing. And that's, you know, it's part of it. You're doing amazing stuff every day. Well, yeah. Right? <laughs> um, I asked that because you shared that story with me a long time ago. <laughs> and I happened to come across a story out of Concord, New Hampshire. On WMUR Channel 9 News <laughs> up there in New Hampshire. There's a nonprofit in Concord, New Hampshire that is doing exactly what your vision is. Um, the nonprofit is called Saving People's Smile. That's amazing. And they were formed um, by a family who had lost a loved one to mm-hmm. the opioid addiction. Um in an overdose and they kind of like had this vision and created this nonprofit and did exactly what you said and partnered with a doctor, uh, Dr. Earl Simpson Hmm. in, um, in New Hampshire. And they've been, they've been doing this since 2010 and Dr. Simpson, he, he was doing like philanthropy type work Mm -hmm. like your doctor did prior to working for them. Like he was really, um, taking on, um, individuals who couldn't afford yeah. ba- basic dental treatment, right. filling cavities and cleanings and mm-hmm. things like that. He really um, understood kind of what that what that struggle was. So um, saving people's smiles, they get lower reimbursement rates for the same work that a private practice would get through insurance. So they huh. like work with the doctor to get these um, lower rates. Awesome. Obviously, probably because they they have yeah business right Mm -hmm. (laughs) enough people coming in so um, i think it's fabulous work says that their goal and hope is to give them the self-confidence that they need to re-engage with families or society Mm -hmm. and the workforce so yes it's exactly what you described right it's exactly what i want to do i'm going to reach out to them i think that we could have we could just like partner and do a (laughs) saving people's smiles of Asheville. yes huh bring it here bring it to Asheville. I'm excited to learn about this. Yeah. Honestly. Um, that's amazing. I don't know like where I came across this from, but it was just something that like after you talking with you a little bit about that experience that you had, mm-hmm. it um, kind of like interested me in like sharing that with you and kind of having that that conversation. That's really cool because I had searched things like that in the past and had never found that. So that's awesome. Saving your smile. Yes. That's uh, that's good stuff. I was gonna call mine Serenity Smiles. I know. It's kind of cheesy. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Eh. It's kind of catchy. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm gonna write a song about it. <laughs> Are you? What would it sound like? I have no idea. You're not gonna sing on no. it zero. Mm-hmm. No. I, can't, I can't get you. <laughs> no. I can. I can bring a little jingle up here. That's good. Are you sure? <laughs> I'm, I'm good. <laughs> all those years of karaoke and you're not going to sing me a Mm-mm. Serenity Smile jingle? Nope. A, the Serenity Smile theme song? <laughs> I'll work on it and get back to you on that. The next appearance? <laughs> Maybe for the Christmas party? Yeah. I'll get it ready for then. <laughs> we'll have a, a karaoke party um, for the Christmas for the Christmas deal. <sighs> well, um, I, I want to really like maybe talk to you a little bit about what um what life is like like what is it outside of all like put recovery to the side Mm -hmm. and put your work to the side like 
every week we talk, we bring folks on and we talk about like that rediscovery process mm-hmm. and like what it was like for, for each of us to um, kind of rediscover that, that identity that we had lost, you know, mm-hmm. that, that we um, kind of like ignored and buried and put away. What, what does, what is life like today? Like outside of the recovery world, outside of the reentry and rap and all the That's such a hard question because I feel mm. like That is your life. That is my life. Yeah. Um, but I mean you know, I think reconnecting with my family is probably a little I mean, but that's still part of my recovery, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, getting to, you know, drive to Cherokee where my mom and my stepdad live and my grandfather lives actually here in Silva. Um getting to spend time with them and like genuinely enjoy being with my family um, has been a big part of my life now. Yeah. Um, And, you know, hanging out with my dog and just getting up every day and being genuinely happy. Like that's, that's what life's about. Yeah. So. For me, it was a big learning curve. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I was kind of like half-assing it with refuge recovery i moved up here and enrolled in school mm-hmm. and like i thought that that would fulfill that void and that would like give me what i needed mm-hmm. i was fucking miserable you know like um in a very unhealthy relationship and mm-hmm. just kind of like going through the motions yeah for a long time like you know it took me probably two years to really like figure it out mm-hmm. and figure out like what my life would look like and be mm-hmm. as a person in recovery. Um, I initially like had the expectation that, okay, I'm sober, I'm in mm-hmm. school, I'm living in a place where I wanted to live, like. I'm doing all the, all the external things were there, Mm -hmm. but I was like half-assing it, like totally half-assing it, like to the point where like, you know, met refuge recovery, number one foundation, daily meditation practice, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's like, that's, that's where you start. Right. Um, and I was like, I would only meditate when, um, when things would happen. When I was in crisis, when I had a fight with the the missus, or when right. you know, like when I had was struggling with something, kind of like uh, what do they say, like the the foxhole prayer, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> get me out, get me Please. out of here. <laughs> it's I'm not gonna, you know, whatever. I'll do yeah. anything, you know. Kind of like bartering with, mm-hmm. um, and like it took like it took a pretty significant crisis to happen mm-hmm. for me to like say okay like i've gotten a taste of it yeah like i know what it has to offer but now it's time for me to commit myself to mm-hmm. doing the work and to the practices it was it was a physical injury i broke like my leg and my foot and stuff oh. and so like um it took like that to say okay i'm not happy mm-hmm. all this chaos is still going on even though i'm going through the motions at school and i'm making decent grades and like i got some things going on but i wasn't like truly invested in it Mm -hmm. and um 
So it was like a it was a it was a it was a process, a process of change. And it wasn't like I expected these results like because mm-hmm. I did, because I completed my terms of probation and I right. got my driver's license back <laughs> and I completed my inpatient stay. I did all the things that they quote unquote said I was supposed to do. Right. But I did them to fulfill an obligation. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do them for truly for myself. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but we talk about that rediscovery process and like, so when somebody comes into your office and Mm -hmm. you meet with them, like what role do you play in that rediscovery process? Because that's, you know, like according to your job description, Mm -hmm. right? Like your job is to connect them with resources. Resources, yeah. But you're like. You're so knowledgeable and you're so passionate and you're so into, you're you're so connected Mm -hmm. with building these relationships. I mean, I don't think that I play so much of a role in their like rediscovering themselves because, you know, I don't spend a whole lot of time with them. Honestly, it's like figuring out what they need in the moment and then getting them connected and then you know, if they need something more from me, of course they can always call. And I do stay connected to some people that reach out. Um, but for me, I think that just, it's all about planting seeds in people. And so if someone comes in and I can tell that, you know, they're, they're struggling really badly, I do share a little bit of my story. And I think that that gives them hope. I had one guy, he was like, wow, so you mean I can like have a life like you one day? I wanted to start crying. I was like, of course you can. Yeah. Of course you can. Like, why would you ever doubt that? But but I remember feeling that way. Um, and so, you know, it's just planting seeds and just saying you can do this, giving them hope. What are the barriers? Like, what what do you need to make a, a larger impact in your community? What's... Money? it always comes back to that yeah Yeah. i don't know i mean i'm i guess i don't look at it that way i just try as best i can every day you know and you're using the tools that you have right if i reach people that's all i care about you know i don't know i've like the typical like um typical mind of a man where i like how do I fix how this? How do you fix it? Yeah, yeah. Like, how do I fix this? Like, this uh, this board over here is putting some static in my ears. Like, how, what what do I need to do? And, like, it was so cool. It was so funny because, <laughs> not cool, funny. When Jeremy mm-hmm. came, was here last yeah. week, you know, the craftsman mm-hmm. and the builder. And he sat down early with me just like you. And um, we are having an awesome conversation, just kind of chit-chatting like we did tonight. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he his iPhone has one of those cases that has a battery pack built into oh, yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So the iPhone was creating super uh, <laughs> feedback. I into bet it the was. Headphones. <laughs> and so he had it sitting like right here next to the microphone and the cord. And it was just like. Mm-hmm. 
and he immediately was like, hold on, what is it? And he started like, he, oh, st- no. he started like looking at all the different buttons. <laughs> and he, I got, he probably had some, some experience. Yeah, he with, probably yeah, yeah, with knows like, more than me. <laughs> but he was like looking at things. Okay, this goes to here and that goes to there. And he was like automatically like assessing the, yeah. the situation to like solve the problem. And that's how my mind works. And like sometimes it's to the benefit of me, but sometimes like, do, do I really need to think that way? <laughs> <laughs> right? No, right. Do I need to think that way yeah. or do I need to like just well, roll yeah. with the punches? Everybody thinks differently and that's the beauty of human beings. What is the most valuable tool in your in the mm-hmm. in your process of recovery? What has been the most mm-hmm. valuable tool, the most insightful kind of Um, I would say acceptance and gratitude yeah like on a daily um you know it's really it's kind of cliche but that whole you know accept what you can and change what you can't um but that's so true for me and i just feel like um once i started accepting certain things that i knew weren't going to change like certain relationships in my life it just got better um and then also the gratitude piece i mean I always tell the story because gratitude is so important to me. So in that first little shack that I had rented, the toilet seat moved. So you had to really just kind of like hover over it because I was afraid the toilet would like literally come out of the ground. And so now I live in a house, which I love, and the toilet seat does not move. And seriously, and I'm not joking, every single day I sit on that toilet, even now I've been there for like six years or something like that. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so grateful that this toilet does not move. And I say it out loud. And it's just little things like that that really um, strengthen my wellness and recovery. I know it sounds so silly, but it really is like really important for me to stay grateful for everything that I have, even toilets. And Rolo. Oh yeah, and Rolo, of course. Grateful for Rolo. I bet Rolo eats good. (laughs) <laughs> you know what i don't feed him like real people food though lies sometimes if there's steak left over but that's mm-hmm. it <laughs> i would say for me i, I want to know your opinion on this but i would say for me it's forgiveness mm, that's that's a really powerful that has been the most tool. um powerful mm-hmm. and i think a, a part of it was because i avoided it yeah um you know and this like buddhist approach to recovery is there's like you know the mindfulness like Mm -hmm. present time awareness and acceptance peace right and then there's this like compassion and loving kindness and forgiveness peace Mm -hmm. right so it's kind of like two that those are the two two uh, pieces of the puzzle yeah and in the beginning i was like set on this mindfulness stuff Mm -hmm. because it worked yeah right I experienced relief. I experienced moments of relief mm-hmm. while while doing it. But the kindness, loving kindness and compassion and mm-hmm. like forgiveness piece, mm-hmm. I kind of avoided. I was like, that's just like, just like hippie shit, you know, <laughs> like I don't need any of that. And like I viewed it as that, like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't view it as I did a lot of damage to like, the outside world, all mm-hmm. of the damage was done inside. 
to myself, right? right? Like I didn't like, it wasn't a lot of like big betrayals and things like that. It was mostly Mm -hmm. like me making poor decisions that affected me. Right. Um, And so I avoided all that stuff. And two years into recovery, I mentioned I wasn't in a good place. Right. And I was like, okay. I like checked myself and I was like, all right, these guys have to be up onto something here. Yeah. If this mindfulness stuff works, maybe I should try some of this other stuff mm-hmm. because this third, they, they said this works and it did. <laughs> so maybe I should maybe try. Maybe I should grab onto everything. Yeah, they say. yeah. Maybe I should try <laughs> the rest of it. Um, you know, I mentioned I had had that injury. And so like I was down for 90 days, no mm-hmm. weight. So, like, I had time on yeah. my hands. <laughs> what else was I going to do? Right. You know? Um, so, I started with the forgiveness piece. There were some heavy betrayals in my life at the time mm-hmm. with relationships. And I started with that forgiveness piece with hopes of forgiving these people in my life who had caused me harm. Mm-hmm. But what happened was I realized in in going through the motions, mm-hmm. faking it till I made it. Yeah. I've realized that there was a lot of stuff in here with my own my own direct experience. Oh yeah. That I needed to like acknowledge and forgive and, and recognize and talk about. Mm-hmm. Even had gone through the inventory process and looked at the things that I did, I still wasn't like fully, completely, compassionately like accepting it. Yeah. And so much dirt came up. And so now my meditation practice is like the foundation of it is what? Forgiveness. Forgiveness, <laughs> yo. And I cannot suggest it mm, enough. Yeah. In combination with that, with that mindfulness stuff. Um, just just such a huge, a huge part of it. Like oh, yeah. if I wasn't doing that, I wouldn't view the world the way I do. I wouldn't be the person that I am. Mm-hmm. Um it's just it's just so so important to me it's got to be done um <laughs> gosh you just talking about it just kind of like gives me uh gives me chills man cuz it was it was so i don't know it wasn't what i expected it it really wasn't what i expected so yeah um yeah forgiveness is huge and you know i never had a problem i never had a difficult time forgiving people who had wronged me forgiving myself was the hardest part and i you know had a similar experience um probably i guess about a year in treatment cuz you know i had a lot of time <laughs> in treatment <laughs> to really think about a lot of things um 2 years worth of time yeah yeah and all the things that i had done to my family um And so I was able to really like sit down with, you know, my mom who, you know, we've been through a lot together and really talk about like things that I had done, like open and honest and like, man, that was really crappy that I did all that stuff. And the forgiveness that she had for me helped me to forgive myself. Um, So that was. So having gone through the process of her initiating the forgiveness by acknowledging the actions but yeah and just accepting me 
like no matter what yeah. you know i always knew that her love was unconditional no matter what and um, regardless of the circumstances yeah she and was there. i was so ashamed and felt so much guilt for everything that i had done but to see her just be like you know what it's okay we're gonna work through it and we're gonna talk about it and i forgive you for all of that that was the in, moment I was like, you know what? If she can forgive me, I can forgive myself. The sincerity and the, yeah. the, the genuineness of her. Yeah. And my stepdad, too. We had a moment. Because he, he didn't talk to me for a long time um, because of a lot of things I had done. And, and I remember going to meet him at my mom's house. And it was just him and I. And he hadn't seen me since treatment. And uh, he was like, you know what? I can see that you've changed. And um, and I forgive you for everything that you've done in the past. And let's just start new. That, for me, was, I mean, I cried like a baby, like I always do. But, um, yeah, in other people's forgiveness for me, I found forgiveness for myself. Okay. For sure. That's a unique perspective. I haven't, um, in talking about this, cause I talk about this, this topic all the time because I have experienced the direct right. results of it. Um, you're the first person that's kind of like looked at it that way hmm. or brought it to, brought it to my attention. <laughs> a new way of looking at yeah. it. Because like I said, mine was in offering to others. <clears throat> yeah. It, it, re- it made me realize what was kind of inside. Right. That's so cool. Um, you know, I normally uh, surprise people with like the photo challenge. Yeah. But I didn't. Um, What's the photo challenge? I uh, pull up three random pictures from your Instagram or Facebook page. Oh yeah. And ask tell you well, to tell lots. tell me the story <laughs> behind your picture. Uh-huh. And what uh what was taking place at the time? Why did you feel like you needed to <laughs> post it and okay. share it with all of your friends mm-hmm. in the entire world? Um, and normally I have a bunch of pictures ready. Like I, like I creep through all your photos, the guest photos, but I did not do that tonight. So are you doing that now? I'm about to. Yeah. I was thinking about it cause you, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to, but then you said you had a lot and I was like, Oh, okay. Let's see what's in. Let's see. You know, I have a lot. I know. (laughs) I'm always giving you some love for all that. I know. All that work that you do. Um, Well, there's a good one. <laughs> no, don't, don't do that one. What? Yoga? <laughs> yeah. So with your permission, I will go ahead and um, with your permission, when mm-hmm. I post the the show, I uh-huh. will also post these pictures. Okay. And, uh, and I'm just going to like go way back to the beginning. <laughs> not to the... I was going to say, you're not going to be able to go to the beginning because there's so many. It would take you like 20 okay. minutes. I know all right. Uh, so, <laughs> okay. So you want me to tell you what's happening in this yeah, picture? Describe the picture to the audi- audience okay. that's listening. What is happening in the picture, and then why did you? What, what did <clears throat> you feel? What was going on? Why did you decide to post it? Okay. On your social media. So this photo is a photo of me holding my friend Crystal's brand new baby the dude looks like a couple of days old yeah i think it was like a week uh-huh. um and i had just done a newborn photo shoot with him and he did not have a diaper on when i first held him 
And so he peed all over me, but Crystal so kindly blocked the pee stream so it didn't get in my mouth. Like with her hand? Thank goodness, yes. Uh I mean, she was like on it. She knew it was (laughs) happening. Um, And then she put a diaper on him, and then that's when she took that picture. And you're still smiling. Of course. Peeing all. I don't care if he pees on me. He can pee on me anytime he wants to. It's a precious baby. You got baby fever? Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. What else (laughs) we got here? That's a good one. I'm going to... I'm gonna find a good one. Look at you just lounging. I'm gonna keep going, keep going. We're almost there. Close my eyes and pick a random one. Oh, you know I gotta do it. Well, that's Rolo. Mm-hmm. And we had just gone for a hike. Who is Rolo? We my didn't really get into detail oh. about him tonight. Rolo is my dog. He's a Chihuahua Terrier. He looks like a minpin, and he's amazing. So, yeah, that picture was after we went for a hike, and he was very happy, and he's smiling in the picture. There's a lot of Rolos on here. Of course. Oh, dude, this one's got me. I'm not going to do it with that one right there. (laughs) That's a crawfish boil. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Homeboy is a sucker for crawfish. Mm, That's good, too. Let me just tell you. I know this guy. Oh, yeah. So that's a picture of me and my little brother, mm-hmm. who's not really little. He's like six foot five, I think. Um, And we had gone to Georgia, where he lived, to surprise him for his birthday. That was a couple of years ago. So, Relationships with your brother? Um, better mm-hmm. than they... Than it used to be. Um, we don't talk very often. I talk to his wife like all the time because she's amazing yeah. <laughs> and wonderful. Um, but yeah, that's a work in progress. Yeah. It'll get better. It's always good to have a opportunity to continue that growth, right? Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, he He's actually in the process of buying his first house. So that's it? exciting. When are you doing that? <laughs> What's so funny? After I pay get for, a master's pay degree, for grad school yeah, exactly. <laughs> land a big job. Yeah, I think that like with the work that do like one thing that I learned. I learned this from my man James Skelton. But one thing that I learned is that like the things that you're doing and all the things that you have going on in your mm-hmm. life, like um, with your career, the recovery, um, volunteer work that you do, like. There's money out there, just like with funding for these grants and stuff like that and for these nonprofits and things like that. Like you apply for some scholarships with a a, with like a resume Mm -hmm. of the work you've done and a plan and a vision for where you're going. It's just it's the sitting down and And doing it, doing it. Yeah. Yeah. The effort and the things that you're going to the time that it takes to to present that. Right. Um, There's some big dollars out there, man. You can get all your grad school paid for. I'm going to find it. You're going to find it? (laughs) When? Let's set some smart goals. Come on. Um, (laughs) Within the next seven months. You will do what? I will apply for scholarships. Uh Uh-huh. And I will get scholarships. Yes. What's next for Amanda Carey? (laughs) Um, Who knows? (laughs) I don't know, but I'm excited to see what is next. You know? I'm just kind of living day by day, enjoying it. Whatever happens, happens. 
playing with my microphone. I know. I can see that. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on today. Amanda. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. I enjoy talking with you and uh, hearing a little bit of your story. I think the work that you're doing is phenomenal. I think mm-hmm. that it's like, not only is it like much needed, but I think mm-hmm. that it's so important to have the right people in those positions. And I know that you're one of them. And, and by the looks of it, your team is as well. Yeah. Thank you. Um, there's no doubt that you guys are making an impact on Buncombe County. Um, yeah. I think that, like, th- there's just a need for this type of work, like, everywhere. Like, Definitely. I, I promise you that this type, that what you guys are mm-hmm. doing is not happening over here in Jackson County. Right. Um, in Cherokee, they got some stuff going on, but I don't know if it's on the the level of engagement that you guys that you guys have. I don't know if it's to the standard that you guys have set. So Right. Well, I recently went to uh, Transylvania County mm-hmm. and spoke to um, a pr- prison ministry group there, and they are now starting their own reentry council. So maybe I just need to go to all the counties and talk to people. Yeah, so like, <laughs> I mean, what does it take? Um, so we're funded through DPS. Um, and so um i think the way that transylvania did it was they just contacted somebody from raleigh who came out and just told them what they need to do steps they need to take in order to get that funding mm-hmm. to start their reentry council yeah so cuz literally like every per almost every person mm-hmm. that's been on this podcast has like expressed to us that that piece of the puzzle was missing, missing from in their mm-hmm. county yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's here and mm-hmm. it's you know so many others yeah. that like um, I just, I just can't like wrap my mind around why, right. <laughs> why something like that wouldn't be in place. Right. You know, like, um, you're like a community liaison and you're just like, I don't know, it's just, it's a beautiful service that you guys are doing. And there's no doubt that, um, you are personally making an impact because you're so passionate about it, mm-hmm. you know, like. It's not a nine to five, get your paycheck. Like Mm -mm. you're, you're truly invested in the work that you're doing. You do so much stuff outside of that office. Like Mm -hmm. when you're going to see healing and you're going to these community events, you're there for your own personal growth. Right. But you're also there to (laughs) make those connections and build relationships with folks that you can, um, impact, you know, and take back to your office and not just apply to your, client what do you call them clients we call them participants participants yeah not just apply to your participants but share mm-hmm. them with your office right share yeah. them with the others who are yeah. doing the same sort of work that you're doing you're a badass thank you that's all i gotta say <laughs> any any parting words for our uh lovely audience of three <laughs> awesome i think um, it's frozen again <laughs> is it i don't know wonderful uh-huh no, um, I just thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate the chance to share my story and and what I'm doing now and all the great things that Buncombe County does. So, yeah. Yeah. Come back on the Christmas party. Sure. Christmas Eve. I think I'll be here. Egg- I'll actually be in Cherokee. Will you? Oh, so, yeah. I'll come. Eggnog, Christmas music. Totally. What? Although I don't like eggnog. but You don't? Yeah. What do you like? Um, peppermint tea? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Um, so yeah, Christmas party, December 24th, around 5 PM. We'll start the show about five and kind of 
reminisce on different things because I have a lot of got a lot of memories <laughs> I'm sure. from Christmas that um, are both funny and mm-hmm. um, I'm not proud of. <laughs> <laughs> I understand completely. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in to NC Raw. The NC Raw crew wants to thank our musical contributors, Rival, whose work can be found by searching Rival727 on YouTube, Facebook, and SoundCloud. And also my dog, Alvin Hooks, a.k.a. Notes, (laughs) whose work is on Facebook by searching All or Nothing and SoundCloud by searching Alvin Hooks. You can subscribe to our website by visiting www.ncraw.life. Drop your email address into the little subscription box and we will send you exclusive content before it is released to the general public. Do it. Please sign up and we will close the show out by a song from a dog, Notes, Alvin Hooks. This is Last Night. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. Peace. <laughs> I want to tell you about this dream I had last night. Tell them about, about it. And you know, it played a part on my life right now, man. It got me thinking. Really, bro? Really, bro, really, bro. But before I tell you about it, man, let me tell you how the dream went down, man. How it go down. Right, shit crazy. Down. What about it? Let me talk to you. I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening. I had a dream one night, somebody spoke to me Reached for my pistol, but it won't where it supposed to be Looked him in the eyes and I asked him what he want with me Pointed to a mirror, an image popped in front of me Visions of my past, when my parents threw me to the streets Like a piece of meat, man that anger rose inside of me I screwed up my face and I asked him what he's showing me He's showing me a life that he didn't even plan for me Saw myself in cuffs, bloodied and bruised up I remember when it happened, homie That's the day that your boy I lost his cool and your boy started snapping And ever since then I played the cards I was handed I saw another vision of me staying in a mission And I'm working like a slave and I'm battling my afflictions Then I found myself slipping, nodding, itching Next thing you know your boy back in his dope addiction I jumped off that bed and I just started flipping And I picked up that mirror cause that motherfucker tripping I don't care who he was bro, just started snapping But he said, hold on hooks, let me tell you what's gonna happen Ten years from now, you gon' hit the streets running Life going good and you're making plenty money Making all your meetings and you're looking like something And your head held high cause you're getting good loving But everything changed when you stop making meetings Started missing work and your urges start peaking Wifey took notice and she called for your attention But you won't even listen, hearing her for some reason So forces got raised and your arms start itching You slammed the front door cause you were tired of a bitch Men jumped in the whip and the tires start screeching She screamed come back cause she had a bad feeling I got tears in my eyes, could it really be the truth? Then this shit so real, could it really be the truth? And then I saw the dope man and I really started fiending I put it in my veins and I really started leaning Heart started beating, mouth started foaming Couldn't call for help cause I couldn't stop choking Then my body stopped breathing and I knew the fucking reason Then it all came back, I was just fucking dreaming Yeah, hey, look, then it all came back I was just fucking dreaming Word up 
that very next day, your boy Notes made a meet. Real shit, homie. Real shit. Then it all came back. I was just fucking dreaming. Yeah. Tell Hey. And that very next day, your boy Notes made a meet. Thanks for listening.